0: Welcome to episode 167 of the InSquash podcast, the second of two World Squash Day episodes. Uh, We're taking part in World Squash Day by dropping two episodes on October 10th, 2020. And uh, this is the second of two. And the second episode today, Jamie Abbott of CrossCourt Analytics. And uh, Jamie's uh, someone who has an extreme passion for the game. And uh, if you've seen the movie... uh, Moneyball starring Brad Pitt about the Oakland Athletics and the way that they used analytics to bring their team to the very top of Major League Baseball well that's what uh, Jamie's trying to do with uh, squash court analytics and uh, he's going to be providing a service or he is providing a service for squash players uh, and he lays that out for us on the podcast today Uh, you should check out his uh, website crosscourtanalytics.com and he has several blogs where he provides uh, some great uh, content, and it's basically showcasing what he can do and what cross-court analytics can do with, uh, with the statistics and the, the metrics, uh, and they can take a look at your game, sending in uh, videos of your game, and provide insight based on the, the numbers and the stats that they glean from watching those videos. So it's Jamie Abbott. Of Cross Court Analytics on episode 167. Now, before we get into that, of course, I just want to talk to you a little bit about our sponsor active scout as i mentioned on episode 166 uh rob eberhard of active scout will be coming on the podcast next week to lay it all out active scout uh is an app that will help clubs grow and expand their membership base something that's very important right now given the situation that we're going through given what squash is going through at the moment and rob is at the Heart of the the movement to promote the game and to grow it, and uh, Active Scout is an app that's going to help us do that. Now, if you're looking for more information in the meantime before Rob comes on to lay it all out for us, you can visit their website at ActiveScout.com. That's Active Scout, Active without the e, ActiveScout.com. That's Active Scout, without the e. And here we go, episode 167, Jamie Abbott of Crosscourt Analytics. So uh yeah, why don't we just why don't we get started? So uh, Jamie Abbott here uh with us today from Cross Court Analytics. He, uh I guess I, I, it's uh, something that you've come up with there. Um are you doing your, your PhD or are you
1: uh, are you I'm not I'm just uh, I'm just finishing up a master's actually, um, but then hoping to roll on to a PhD right in the near future. So this
0: is so, yeah. with uh, with your studies uh, in a way, is it? Yeah
1: yeah absolutely i actually study linguistics um but as part of that we have a a stats course um oh, okay. and sort of get get trained in in some of the sort of uh, technologies and, and coding used to help with this analysis right on um so yeah definitely that straight from the course and Put it towards my hobby. Of
0: squash go with yeah. squash uh, a- analytics, as opposed to looking into Chomsky's
1: grammar uh, discourse. Well, absolutely. That's that. That's part <laughs> of it. I do that <laughs> during uh, during nine to five, and then and then after that finishes, I can I can turn to um turn to the squash. But it's worth pointing out actually at this point, it's not just me. There's there's three of us who are doing this. Yeah, um, we're actually a group of squash players. Enthusiasts. We're all based at the same club in, in York, in the UK, and you know, we got together and thought, this is this is something which the world of squash could, could benefit from, we think, and, uh, and hopefully people are agreeing as well.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, just looking at what you have there now, it looks like it's sort of very much the tip of the iceberg too. I mean, it's just that uh, you could probably do so much with, with, uh, with all the numbers and stats uh, that, that you can pull from, from squash.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. At the moment we're very much looking at sort of individual games. Um, so yeah, be that from 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 recent matches or, or matches slightly longer ago which have piqued our interest that so we wanted to go back and look at. But definitely one of the things we want to do is when we have enough data to to look at hundreds, if not thousands, of matches over the past few years to really pick out trends which yeah, go beyond individual players and actually just part of the game of squash which weren't actually discernible to the naked eye from uh, from just from just viewing so yeah definitely a long-term ambition um, even if at the moment it's just individual matches
0: yeah well again you know in all the uh, like the high profile sports uh, and and you made reference to it on the website the you know, like baseball or football or whatever they i mean where they yeah, absolutely pockets and uh, people who do this for a living. Uh, in those sports so they have the luxury of benefiting absolutely uh, yeah. squash uh hasn't really yet until now so uh, this this is kind of uh, interesting but before we sort of get into that why don't you give us a bit of
1: backstory about, yeah.
0: about who you are and your your score your squash background Jamie
1: Yeah absolutely um also there's there's a group of three of us uh based up in this in this club in in York in the UK um in terms of me, uh, I'm actually a late, a late developer to squash. I'm a, I'm a late joiner. Um, it's something I played just socially with friends as a teenager and, and at university. Um, but even from that, I knew it was a sport that as soon as I started playing properly, which I have now subsequently done, um, it would be a sport I'd, I'd absolutely love. Um, so, yeah, the other two um, uh, have played slightly longer than I have, um, sort of being, yeah, age group players as juniors um so yeah that's uh that that's our intro intro to squash i'm a, I'm a late joiner but yeah yeah what i what i lack it's, it's in, never uh, too late is it you're, Experience. you're, you're still, still, you're still in years, your early
0: 20s or mid-20s anyways right uh, judging by uh, yeah i had a guy on the other day uh his name is sean o oh, korean he's coached at yes. let's see, of Toronto and I thought you know just by looking at him he looked like he was uh, 25 but it turned out he was 45 so you, know, you never know oh, seriously well okay yeah uh, sometimes he can't tell yeah, <laughs> yeah you never know but uh, so I guess with your friends uh, cross-court analytics mm-hmm. sort of came about uh, maybe over a couple of beers or something after you played squash so basically how, how did it uh, how did it come about
1: well, so we started up in, in April just after lockdown because of COVID. Um, so having gone from playing about five or six times a week, suddenly there was this void in our, in our, yeah. uh, in our lives where squash used to be. Um, so instead of playing it, um, we, 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 we turned to, to really sort of forensic analysis of, of, of what the pros are doing. Mm -hmm. Um, in their matches to sort of yeah use that time which we otherwise would have played squash in Um, which was good and bad in a way it meant that we had this time without playing squash in which we could really really focus on on bringing the data to light Um, but uh, it also meant there were no current matches for us to analyze which was uh, a bit frustrating so a bit of a double-edged sword there Um, so yeah we're really excited now that the PSA is back up and running and and whatever, so we can uh, yeah, turn our attention to to, to real time matches, which is uh, something we've been looking forward to doing for a while.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you're going to, in terms of uh, the ability to ad- to find squash to to find analytics and, and uh, set or you know crunch the numbers or whatever you have to do, uh, there's plenty of um, you know there's there's a huge library of matches out there. So like, I mean, you guys could just hunker down Absolutely. for years and, and and just go in and, and do all of this you'd have to assemble I think maybe a, a slightly bigger team uh, unless you know maybe you're going to focus yes. on a few things but uh, uh, but I think it's fantastic uh, just judging by you know what I've seen and what I've read on your blogs and stuff earlier but one thing you mentioned uh, Thank you. Uh, in the, you know, in your introduction on the website was that you, you sort of drew the comparison of uh, in, uh, the book uh, Moneyball and in, in the movie, uh, I think it was Brad Pitt who played oh. the main character in that, in that movie Moneyball. The approach, Correct. that yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, was a good movie. Uh, and uh, the, approach, the approach that the Oakland Athletics uh, at the time took to assembling uh, a team of uh, sort of almost like no name players, based on statistics to go ahead and win. I don't know. I'm not sure if they won the World Series or whatever. I forget, but they actually did really, really well with that approach. So what did right. you see in that approach that sort of guided what you're hoping to maybe achieve?
1: Well, so I hmm. suppose the, 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 the concept came from the fact that when you, when you look at sports in detail, and and be that baseball or perhaps more for, for UK viewers or where I come from, my background in, in football or, or cricket, you might get your star striker. Um, and throughout the course of a 90-minute game, they're actually only on the ball for 60 seconds or something. Ludicrous. I think some stats are doing the rounds on the internet a few years ago. Um, so the concept is that if you, if you have a player who's actually only directly influencing the game, for 1% of the match, and you're only looking at what they're doing on the ball, you're actually missing 99% of what happens in any given sporting match or any given sporting event or any given sporting role that this player is playing. Um, And the same thing, I think, applies to squash. If you take the analogy, of course, the big metric at the end of any squash match will be who won and who lost, and no one's ever going to dispute that. But if you only look at who won and who lost or maybe even who won which games and then who won the match, you're actually missing the hundreds and thousands of events which happen in every point, in every exchange, in every rally, in every, in, in every, in every game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we come in. We want to look at that 99% of information which leads towards the, the big W or the big L at the end of yeah. a match. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that's where we can come in. Oh, for sure.
0: I mean, I was just thinking as you were speaking to, to that, and, and, I mean, I used to love, I used to collect baseball cards when I was a young boy. And uh, on the back of every baseball card, right. there was uh, the player's uh, statistics, which you would not really, I mean, if you didn't know that there were these statistics, and then, uh, then you wouldn't recognize them. But in squash, the, the, as you mentioned, really the only statistic that's out there is uh, the W or, or the L, right? But if you had a squash player's uh, card, if you collected squash players' cards, if they ever existed, imagine yeah. what could be, what could exist on the back of that
1: card. Uh, you know, one hundred percent. So I mean, I know, I know some coaches collect information when they watch on things like error count and and win account, unforced error count in particular is a big one. Um, but that's just tapping. Well, that's just the surface of uh, of what there is to tap in terms of this of this data. Um, what we do is we look primarily at two different kinds of so-called performance metrics of any squash rally, any squash point, and that's player shot position, i.e., where they hit the ball from. Is that from an advanced position on court? Is that from a mid position on court or a deep position on court? And of course, splitting the court into into the left and right, um, and then the shot type. So, uh, whether a player hit a volley or a ground stroke, or whether they used the back wall, whether it was a boast, um, whether they hit the ball softly or with power, those kind of things. Um, so, yeah, there's there's so much more information to be used um, mm. than just sort of yeah the, the big L, the big W, and the and the unforced error count. No, exactly. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm.
0: So uh, just in terms of these numbers now, I know what you're doing right now is uh, you're looking at individual matches and then identifying sort of what happened in there based on the, the stats of that match. But, uh, and that's fantastic. And that's really, I mean, that's great reading and great information for, for the squash enthusiasts. but broader uh, thinking like in the broad, broader scope, do you, what do you envision perhaps uh, yeah. going forward?
1: Well, so actually, I, I, I'll probably give a, a, a two-part answer to that. One, which is, I think, yeah, tangible for us, So we're getting more tangible, um, and that's a, a trend which has uh, come out of the data we've collected so far, even on the, the few dozen matches we've done, um, and that's the uh, the length of rally in squash.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, one thing when you, when when you plot the number of shots in any given rally. Um, it's a very interesting distribution. It's it, it's bimodal. There's this peak at around six or seven shots, where lots of rallies tend to be six, seven r- uh, shots long. Uh, and then there's a dip again. And then there's a second wave at around twelve, well, fourteen or so shots. Mm. Um, and with an absolute trough in the middle around 10. Uh, and this is something I'd, I'd love to check with more and more data, as you say, as, as as we collect more, as we, as you suggest, get an army of people to to help uh, start collecting yeah. this stuff. Um, it, it's just a nod in the right direction, but it'd be really interesting to see if that holds for much bigger data analysis sets, uh, whether there is this sort of trough in the middle of squash rallies, where rallies either tend to last seven or eight shots or 14, 15 shots i suspect what's happening there is that either a player gets on top quite early in the rally and puts the rally to bed or no one gets on top there's a sort of game of chess to see who establishes dominance in the rally and then someone takes takes the takes the front foot as it were um and converts the rally uh yeah and wins the point um so yeah, that, 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 that's part one and that's a trend we're already seeing in the limited data we have. But uh, yeah, I'd love to test that uh, as we get more. The other sort of really interesting thing I think to, to test as we get more and more data would be to test some of these sort of old truisms which have been around the game for a while. One of the ones which I've always found interesting is this idea that a player wants to get two points clear and have this sort of buffer between yeah. them and the opponent.
0: That's what we all and actually, and we, if we collect the data on, we, we always think of that. You know, when I'm yeah. playing, it's like, okay, I've got two points. Absolutely, but I think that's enough, especially yeah. in the eleven-point uh, system.
1: You,
0: three points clear
1: seems precisely.
0: Yeah, but but it could be. It seems you know, it be, seems a lot. Doesn't stats value? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And and if we could analyze fifty thousand, hundred thousand games, and and work out whether. At any stage during the game, a player who did have a two-point buffer, in fact, did go on to win that game. Or the regularity with which that happened, then yeah, I think it would be a really interesting thing to tease out and see if those mm-hmm. those ideas still hold. Another one, for instance, is uh you always hear on the uh, on the PSA commentary is that a player shouldn't burn their video ref review too soon in a game, um, and and save it for the save it save it for late in the game or, or whatever. Um, when the points matter more, as it were. Um, but of course, each point only counts for one point. So the concept of a point mattering more is a bit interesting in and of itself. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I think it'd be interesting to look at whether a player spending their review early is in fact beneficial or not.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah there's lots of lots of uh, interesting stuff uh, that we can. Get that you can get into with with all of that. I'm just wondering with all the, like, let's say, for example, you want to look at the three points clear, um, two points clear numbers. Like, yeah, we do the P, like, where would you, what would you do? You just uh, get all the number, the match score. How how would you sort of fudge, not not fudge the numbers, but crunch those numbers? Yeah, crunch crunch the numbers. Not fudge the numbers, crunch the... <laughs> <laughs> the
1: numbers. Yeah, a really important distinction to make. Yeah, um, yeah well, so obviously uh, what, you can scrape any kind of thing off the internet in terms of there's lots of places available for the scores in games, in matches. But what that doesn't tell you is the order in which the points were scored, which would be crucial for this two-point yeah. margin. Um, I is know for a database,
0: like this, the PSA, PSA
1: on the on the database of that information? Would they be willing to share it? Or, uh, well, or, not, not a database as such. Okay. Um, but what, what they do have um is you, you can go in and find anyone's sort of previous results yeah. or whatever, um be that on the PSA website or on squash levels is a is a brilliant resource as well. They have sort of season long data or or past 10 matches kind of data. Um, but What I wouldn't tell you is the order in which people won their points, which is the crucial thing for this two-point difference.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, that 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 would take that would take a while to compile. I know um, on squash TV the graphics in between games they have the, the order in which the points were won. So yeah, that's right. This data is, uh, it so is it's around, a screen um, capture, um, so and that. obviously
0: as, as we collect more and more. Capture the the Sorry scores on just uh, for a couple. Yeah, no. If you you could somehow go in and just sort of capture the the screen capture those scores, the order of which they they happened, like you said, that that might be a, a way around it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's uh, definitely something we'd uh, we'd uh, look to do. Um, I'm yeah. just uh, I'm just taking you downstairs to get closer to the uh, the Wi-Fi no, no router. <laughs> um, yes, uh, yeah, definitely. That's something we could look to do with the squash TV. But actually, as we collect more and more data and and matches ourselves, um, that's the kind of information which we have straight to hand. Um,
0: so, okay. Well, let's take a look at uh, if you don't mind what what you've got up there on. Uh, Crosscourtanalytics.com, the the blog side of things, uh, because you, you've got several Absolutely. really interesting blogs. So, um, so when you go into the analysis of matches and sort of how they uh, how they played out and sort of is that is that basically what what the focus is of of your uh, of your website right now to provide um, sort of squash enthusiasts with this kind of unique uh, look into different. Big matches that have occurred over, over over recent times. I guess you go back as far as uh, I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The, the Humdinger in, in Hull. Yeah.
1: The Humdinger in Hull was was the piece that started it all yeah. off. Um, yeah, Nick Matthews' victory over Mahabad al-Shabagi in 2014, which is a brilliant watch and, and a great one to uh, mm. to analyze uh, in 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 detail as well. Um, yeah. What well, what I found yeah, interesting
0: so- was like uh, you were talking about the shorter uh, because Mohammed, I think nowadays is more of sort of a longer rally type guy. He he tends to extend rallies compared to uh, the others. But back then, uh, uh, particularly against the guy like uh, like the wolf, it was he uh, shorter rallies seemed to benefit him according to uh, to the numbers.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, and I suppose one of the benefits of doing this over an extended period of time is that you can see how players tactics and strategies change over time, but also how they change to play against different opponents. Nick Matthew, of course, is famous for his, his fitness, his athleticism. And um, yeah. Back himself in any any contest over five games. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, What what I found uh, fascinating about, about that one was, um, was the way so Nick Matthew in in that particular game came back from a game down on two occasions at one love and at two one and then went on to win three two and it's uh, one of those things which you often sort of see in in the dialogue around sports is the fact that he had the willpower to win he had this sort of mental fortitude which allowed him to get over the line um, and what I found fascinating in in this one was that actually mental fortitude alone won't get you over the line. That has to translate into some sort of performance boost on the squash court or, or whatever sport you happen to be playing. Mm. Um, and what was so fascinating about that 2014 uh, British Open semi final, I think it was, was that he, th- th- this willpower actually translated into things, into hard sort of performance metrics, such as an increase in in-volleying or... Uh, an increase in shots played from the mid-court, those two sort of performance metrics, which tend to reflect domination of the tee to go back to these old squash tourisms. Um, uh, So yes, his willpower certainly got him over the line, but it wasn't just that. He was able to translate that into an increase in his performance at the crucial moments. Um, And that's just one of the, I think we have 11 blogs up there, there at the moment. Um, well, I went through, I read, I read a few
0: of them and I went through, you know, I, I took some notes and I went through a couple of them rather quickly, but, uh, but like, I like what oh, you sure. said there. I mean, someone can have the, you know, the mental fortitude or the wherewithal to sort of come back, but they have to, that also translates into a strategy and that also translates into, you know, a how did you, absolutely how did you manage that? So you've got to have a, a game plan. It's just, gonna, just doesn't happen magically. Right?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. No, no, of course, will, willpower and, and sort of performing in the big points does exist, um, but willpower alone doesn't get you anywhere. You still have to play better. Because
0: do, yeah, of- I guess it begs the question, what do players do in squash to win big points? What what, what sort of, if we had a, a statistic or, or sort of something that showed that this is what happens during big points and in matches and, we, you know, the, players play this shot or play this way or rallies are this short or this long. Absolutely. Yeah. No. And and it's that kind of thing,
1: which we'd love to to, to tease out the two so far in in statistics, we've looked at the two, which really sort of give an indication of who was going to win the game or, or win the match was the sort of the control of the T metrics, if you will, the shots played from mid court and the number of volleys, um, and uh, so so while these stats have sort of, they've been a good sanity check, as it were, for the fact that we're not just recording data on something which doesn't matter. Right. Um, this, this matches the eye test, as it were. Um, but what's interesting is that it doesn't always just have to be like the person who hit the most mid-court intercepts or the person who hit the most volleys that won the game. Um, right. Squash is a game, played by two people, and what you can make your opponent do is equally as important as what you do yourself. Um, I know, for instance, one of the, uh, one of the ones we put up recently was uh, Hani El hamamis victory over Camille Serm back in the Black Ball Open in March. Yeah. And while Serm had more midcourt intercepts pretty much throughout the game, what El hamami managed to do was to drastically reduce Serm's level of mid intercepts while maintaining her own, so it's not just a question of who did right. the most, but can you affect your opponent's play as much as you you maintain yours constant?
0: Well, that's where the analyst, that's where the the numbers come in, isn't it? I mean, if you can reduce, For sure, you know that you know if she's going to be, if she's hitting fifty percent of her shots are mid court intercepts, and if you can reduce that, and that's going to translate into victory, then that can be something you.
1: aim to achieve. Absolutely. And Mm. and and that that I suppose leads on to the the second part of of our website. We have the we have these blogs for squash enthusiasts to read through. um, But we also want to be able to provide a service to players, professionals and and amateurs alike by them sending us footage of their games, us going away, so reviewing the matches, compiling the data, and then sort of returning the information straight to them. So so that they know what happened in any particular game or or across the match, so they can pick out trends which aren't necessarily discernible just on just on first watch or without statistical analysis. So if
0: I have a collection of my own matches, say 10, 12 matches, I could uh, you know look to you guys to to give me the analytics involved.
1: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And what we do is we will provide information on sort of uh, what happened across these different shot metrics, i.e. shot location and shot type on the points that you won. So you can see what you've done well and what led to your success on the squash court. And we also provide the information in terms of what you did when your opponent won the point. So you can work out, let's say, I don't know, uh, when the rally was over 16 shots long, you won 63% of them. But when the rally was under eight shots in length, your opponent won 72% of them. And it's that kind of information which can then translate into your next performance against them to know that actually in any given situation, if I can lengthen this rally as opposed to looking to finish it soon, um, then I'll be giving myself the best possible opportunity to uh, to get that big W, as we say.
0: Yeah, uh, let's just go. I mean, what we could do then here is just go through a couple of the the points that I identified on the blogs that you know maybe other people, if they you know if they were to acquire your services, that these are the types of things that you'd be able to flesh out uh, for them. Yeah. So one is one thing I noticed, uh, or that I I picked up was the percentage of points you win can indicate whether you you're capable of becoming world number one. <laughs> yes, this is a, this <laughs> yeah, is a nice around uh, 55%. If you're winning 55% of the, or, or higher of the points, then you, you're up in that upper echelon. Is that?
1: Uh, absolutely. Well, of course, yes. that, that makes yeah, sense. This, right? is a, <laughs> it does make sense. It's one of those facts, which is really counterintuitive when you first in, encounter it. Like 55%, only 55%. But then, actually, when you step back and think about it, yes, 55% of points to winning every game 11 9. And of course, this will be plenty. <laughs> um, the reason we put that out there is that this was a stat which did the round a few years back in tennis. Um, right. I think they sort of, some, some stats came out showing that. Federer, uh, Djokovic, Nadar, whoever you want, these top players were were winning 55% of points. Again, they seemed down on what we intuitively think the best players are doing, um, but it is sufficient. Mohamed el Shabagi last year, for instance, won four point eight percent of his points. It wasn't even the most in the men's side of the tour, but it was enough Paul for, um, Paul had the moment, for yeah. him to emerge. Uh, to, 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 uh, According yeah. to your... Yeah, Paul Carl and Ali awful. Farag were sort of yeah one or one or two percent above the rest um but of course it's whether you can translate points into games and and games into matches um noan goha for instance on the on the women's side <laughs> i think she was at the top of the uh, yeah she she can just blow people in the um, water <laughs> very quickly, <yeah>. can't she <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I, that was, that was an interesting one and, and perhaps not a surprise that after, uh, Renime's, uh, retirement in, in June, that, uh, that Noran was, uh, well-placed to, uh, to assume that number one, that number yeah. one role, which she has. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. I love watching her play, by the way. She... Mm.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I really enjoyed your, um, your, your interview with her a few Wasn't weeks. Isn't that awesome? There. Brilliant, brilliant. Listen, yeah, yeah, really fantastic. interesting backstory. yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. I remember when she was here and uh, watching her play. You could just tell she wasn't in a good place, but I could also yeah. just tell yeah. how good you know, she was. She, she had number one written all over. It just wasn't absolutely at the time. Absolutely. Here's another quote from your website, though, um, from the blog. I'll read it, and you you can kind sort of tell us what you mean. Um, sure. Yeah. One benefit of drilling down into the performance metrics underpinning squash underpinning squash matches is the ability to pull out what players do differently in clutch points.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, also, yeah, I, mean, I suppose the first thing to explain is this notion of a, a clutch point, which I'm not sure UK listeners or, or, or sports followers necessarily know, as well as the US uh, fans do but this idea that a clutch point is an important point a sort of a buzzer beating basketball shot or yeah. or, or or the 91st minute uh goal goal in football what, what, what would how would that translate in cricket is there a
0: clutch moment in cricket uh, yeah absolutely it, those uh, matches are so long they go for five days so <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I know the longest form does but even even the longest form of matches ultimately might very well come down to a, to a tense finish and tense finishes happen all the time in the shorter forms of cricket right. exactly. um so yeah it's sort of a, a, any any situation when uh there's something it's a big point there's something on the line and ultimately I suppose what defines a clutch point is that there's no second bite of the cherry. This is it. This is this is your final opportunity to mm. to, to, to get to get the win. Um, I suppose what I mean by that is that um, for I suppose a good way to explain would be in a match we just recently did, which was Serm Hamami um, in the Black Ball Open back in March. And what was really interesting is that um, Hanya Hamami is sort of more renowned on tour for an aggressive sort of approach compared with Sam. Um, whose physicality is extraordinary, is more likely to back herself the longer the game and the longer the match. Um, But what Hamami did in this game was hit quite a lot more winners and unforced errors than CERM across the whole match, which again is just a nice indication of, of how the stats back up what you sort of see anecdotally in matches. But what was really interesting is that in these clutch points, in these business end points of games, El Hamami drastically reduced her error number without a drop-off in sort of the aggressive metrics which we've come to associate with her. Mm-hmm. Things like a high number of volleys, um, a high number of mid-court intercepts, very few ground strokes hit off the back wall, for instance. Um, and again, this sort of really um, sort of pressing quick play, um, very few soft uh, shots hit softly, for instance. Um, so, it, it was really that ability to to not just go into her shell in these clutch points, but to maintain her level of play. But whatever she did differently, she wasn't hitting the tin, uh, et cetera. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it, th- those kind of things which, which are nice to tease out. And of course, the, uh, the Matthew El Shabagi sort of um, trope from earlier this fact that actually, in in the clutch points of the Matthew El Shabagi 2014 Humdinger game, um, Matthew's willpower got him over the line, but actually his willpower was this notion of being able to hit more midcourt intercepts, more volleys, more aggressive play. Yeah. Um. In 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 the bigger point. Mm, yeah. Exactly. Uh,
0: yeah. I guess when
1: when it came to the the
0: the serum Hamami match, I mean maybe she just uh, she identified occasions where she could go for her winners where it wasn't so, you know, where where they were more on than than sort of. Uh, Risky mm. absolutely
1: absolutely yeah, yeah. Um, and I suppose it's a good point to say that we're not squash coaches, and we, we don't intend to to sort of play us to, to, to take these things um, well yeah we, we, we don't we don't intend to to take the place of coaches I suppose it's a coach's job to understand the the numbers behind their players' performances, which we can help provide. And then I suppose any good coach would be able to translate that into something which is directly applicable to the player right. without cutting their be, head. Can
0: the numbers better than, than we can, right? There's yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, another thing, uh, uh, a couple of things you mentioned here.
1: One is uh, uh, length helps, but it's not a virtue. One element to any game would be not to become too predictable. You might know that you might win 80% of rallies in which you have an exchange of more than four shots from the backhand graveyard area, but that doesn't mean you should play 40 consecutive shots there. Your game will become too too predictable. Um, And again, I suppose the famous line underpinning any statistical analysis um, is the line that when the statistic becomes the aim it stops becoming a useful statistic, and that's again something which we would caveat. Um, ultimately, squash is played on the court, not on a spreadsheet. Um, so, so you must the data must be used carefully, but it's hopefully informative at the same time. Yeah, oh, definitely.
0: Uh, it's, yeah, but I guess the thing is, and the reason why you're you're you've created this uh, website is that there's nothing really out there that we can access, except. You know we can go in and watch a match and kind of figure it out for ourselves but uh without you know with, with this kind con- with these type, types of um uh metrics and analytics we we can sort of delve yeah. into uh what we can you know learn learn a bit more about the game and learn a bit more about how to be you know, successful uh
1: absolutely yeah that's uh, exactly what we're looking to uh yeah, to, to, to do, to introduce this discussion into into squash, because it, it now exists in, in so many other sports, uh, as you say, the, the big U.S. ones, basketball and baseball. Um, but uh, but yeah, th- this kind of data just doesn't exist for squash as far as we can work out. So, um,
0: the one, uh, so yeah,
1: it, the added challenge, not only of analyzing the data, but also of collecting it, um, which has <laughs> uh, been, been a good one for us.
0: Yeah, yeah, you got. It. I mean, yeah, it's going to take a a long time to get all that sort. Of, I guess you'd have to sort of uh, narrow it down in terms of what you're looking at, looking for, in the beginning. But
1: um, no, what uh, a while ago I spoke. Yeah, yeah sorry. Hmm. No, I was going to say, in terms of the uh, in narrowing the focus, it's it's an interesting one. The the narrower you look, as you say, the the more matches you can cover looking at a specific specific metric. Um, but you can't go too narrow because you then lose the other information, which does help explain the narrative of squash matches. No. Um, so yeah, weighing up that sort of, uh, yeah, the numbers and sort of the amount of data we want versus the breadth of data we want is, uh, is something which we've uh, had to think quite hard about. Um, But yeah, the the sort of the mixture of shot location broken down into six segments on the court and then shot type broken down further into a few things like volley, ground stroke and and the power with which a shot is hit. We we feel like we've hit a good sort of balance between collecting enough data to inform, but also not collecting a sort of enough data that we can do on a, on a fairly wide scale uh, basis.
0: So I remembered speaking to, uh, it was John from Power. He he came on my podcast a while ago and he was talking about how what you're trying to do now in terms of uh, player performance, he was hoping to do something or, or he thought it would be valuable uh, to do something similar in terms of officiating and looking at uh, okay. how- Okay, yeah looking at how sort of, I'm not sure exactly, I'll have to go back and listen to it again exactly what he was talking about, but just in terms of um, identifying what lets are, what strokes are in some way using uh, statistics in order to improve that aspect of of the game.
1: Absolutely. Well, I suppose there's there's two ways of of looking at it. You can sort of say, you, you can define what a let is or what a stroke is and then and then ask, or then tell players, these are the criteria. You now play to this would be one way of doing it. Yeah. The other way would be to say to look at hundreds of thousands of incidents, or or maybe sort of tens of thousands start a bit smaller, and say, okay, this is what is happening in a game of squash, and this has led to a lead. We now call this a lead, or we now call this a stroke. So you arrive at the same sort of area, I suppose, but. You, you can either start with the rules and impose it or start with the play and work backwards in yeah. a way. But that would be a really interesting one mm-hmm. to look at. I know loads and loads of players, are, well, they, they, they really, really crave consistency yeah. in, in officiating. Oh, sure. um, so I absolutely. think that's what as, 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 any, as
0: anyone would. There'd be a lot of value in doing something yeah. like that in terms of, of achieving uh, yeah. what sort of a the prototypical let stroke, no let would kind of mean
1: yeah Um, absolutely and i know lots of work has been done on this too trying trying to sort of identify precisely what what these are but um i suppose there's a part of the the intrigue of squash is that these will always be areas to a certain point decision
0: you have to make it quickly and
1: I know. I know. I do feel sorry for them sometimes, but uh, at least they have the video ref now.
0: Yeah. Well, it was much, uh, it was quite entertaining, but uh, in the past, but then you'd always feel, uh, you know, felt sorry for the the official at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what, what do you have uh, going forward? What's coming up in terms of uh, what's going on with your, with the uh, cross court analytics? Do you have some new blogs coming up and, um, also, you can, maybe you can just tell the, the listeners uh, how they can get in touch with you and, and what, um, what sort of service you can provide for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so the way to get in touch um, is, is to go to our website. That's crosscoreanalytics.com, and you can find us on on Twitter and Facebook as well. Okay. Um, the service we're looking to provide for squash players is, is precisely this analysis of, of players' games, Um, So for instance, you would send us footage of your match, you record it on your your phone above the court, as many players do anyway, um, now using a a GoPro or or your phone. Um, You send us the footage, we analyze it, we we tell you where each shot was played from, whether it was a volley, ground stroke, uh, soft, hard, these kind of uh, performance metrics. And then compile a report for you uh, to help you understand what went wrong in game two, or why did my opponent happen to win game three? Or what did I do differently in game four? Those kind of things. And I suppose going forward, a a, a big going back to the sort of the double-edged sword nature of what we've done is COVID has allowed us to sort of really dedicate the time to getting the service up and running, but it's also meant that there's been an absolute dearth of Amateur matches going on, um, so so players can't actually use the service which which we've now developed. Um, so going forward, yeah, into the future, we really hope that as as squash gets back up and running, um, that players are able to uh, to turn to our services in a way which they haven't been for the past six months because they haven't been playing.
0: Right. Um,
1: and then in terms of the uh, in terms of the the blogs, uh, we intend to keep on putting out interesting matches. Um, and, and reviews oh. of those matches, and especially now the PSA is back up and running. It's it's brilliant. I intend to. I be should, uh, one suggestion,
0: and you you brought you alluded to it earlier, is looking at the uh, yeah. uh, video the video review uh, issue. You know, mm-hmm. t- talking about sure. players players who decide to hold on to that review, uh, yeah. maybe later. And I think it happened recently in the Manchester Open, and I forget which match it was, but it was a semi-final, or I think. Um, might have been Gawad or someone who held on to his review. He could have reviewed it, but he's right. And then the guys said, "Oh, he should have reviewed that. Maybe he's holding it on
1: till later." And I don't think he
0: got yeah. the opportunity to use it later.
1: Yeah. No, well, that, that, that that's part of the um, yeah, part of the the part of the entry uh, toss-up, right? I suppose, as to when to use it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and of course, just knowing that you should use it early as and opposed that to later does help because yeah. you have to be. It
0: was who did it? Uh, okay. uh, I
1: forget uh, who he played,
0: but yeah, it would have been, I think he played Paul Cole. I Paul Cole. Yes. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. And uh, yeah, Cole managed yes, to manage like uh, Yeah. So,
0: so that, that would be, that's,
1: that's my, uh, my request for
0: your, for one of your future. Yeah. Podcasts,
1: Superb. I'll look into it. Yeah. No, it's, it's a really interesting angle, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, it's just this, this sort of data exists in a way in the world which it didn't used to and there's so much out there that so if you can you can use this information to really sort of re-examine the truisms which we've we've come to know and and regurgitate around squash and around around the world in general so uh so yeah re- really excited to do that and i'll take your uh your idea on board
0: and i'm sure uh you know if the, any listeners out there have any requests uh they can shoot you uh, an email or you're you're on uh you're on the twitter and the facebook
1: and the all the social absolutely media. yeah absolutely you can contact us through our website um which we urge uh, listeners to to have a look at even if no intention of using the servers, if they don't play anymore but just to to look at some uh, some highlights of uh, previous matches and some data driven reviews well, of, definitely. I I recommend absolutely.
0: everybody go to your website and you know read, uh, read yeah. the stuff we've got up there already I mean uh, uh, fantastic reading uh, in terms of squash and sort of going into uh, how matches played out and how players uh, you know were successful the, and, and not successful in certain occasions so uh, Jamie I want to wish you all the best keep it
1: going and uh, you know it's very Thank you, very yes, much
0: the iceberg uh, uh, I think it's really intriguing though
1: Thank you. Yes. No. I suppose watch this space as uh, as we get more and more information, more and more trends, informative trends, we'll be able to pick out. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it's been um, it's been uh, yeah great fun doing it so far, and uh, we intend to do it long into the future.
0: Brilliant. That's great, and all the best with your with your squash.
1: Thank you very much. I, unfortunately, uh, where we play, our court hasn't yet reopened oh, yeah. um, after uh, after COVID. Um, well, I suppose during COVID. Um, so yes, we will have to uh, if it doesn't, if that situation doesn't change, I'll have to start looking around for a new place. I suspect. Um, okay.
0: Right. But, uh, okay. Well, Jamie, take care, and uh, let's keep in touch. We'll have you back. Okay. Thank you in, uh, Maybe, maybe uh, in a little while, and we'll we'll go over the, the, the developments uh, and how things are are uh, shaping up uh, in a, in a few months or so.
1: Would love to do so, and I, I suppose just before we finish, just a, a thank you to uh, to what you're doing. It's such a brilliant podcast, and uh, really kept us all going oh, during okay. the squashless uh, coronavirus times. So uh, thank you for for everything you do as well.
0: Well, thanks so much to Jamie Abbott for that. That's CrossCourtAnalytics.com. I highly, highly recommend you visit. Uh, the website crosscourtanalytics.com check out the blogs check out uh, the analytics that they've done on various matches players uh, in their blog and uh, you can see exactly what the service is all about and uh, what uh, they can do uh, with footage from your game and with the with the numbers and with the the uh, statistics that they can glean from watching a video of yours and how that might uh, add value to what you're trying to do to improve your game. So uh, take a look at the website, see what you think, and then, uh, you know, give it a shot. See uh, what you think of their service. Uh, They do provide a service, so you can contact uh, Jamie there to see what that's all about. So again, thanks to Jamie uh, for podcast episode number 167. Episode 167 is the second of two World Squash Day episodes. So, uh, special episodes here were Jamie Haycock's Squash Tourist and Friends, episode 166, and 167 with Jamie Abbott of Cross Court Analytics. So, everybody, I hope you're having a great World Squash Day. Uh, I know at my club there are They're trying their best to put on a tournament via social distancing, and that's going on right now. We're allowed to play, but we have to be very careful with that. So hopefully there'll be some footage of those matches, some pictures of that coming out uh, during squash WSD uh, right now and I hope everyone out there if you can't get on the court in some way shape or form try to get out and celebrate this great day celebrate our great game on World Squash Day October 10th 2020 everybody thanks so much for listening take care we've got some uh, new episodes coming up very soon so watch out for those ones all the best and have a great day goodbye now